Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. Um, I would love to start this morning with just something for the kids, and uh, I need some helpers. So if I've asked you for help this morning from the, from the Fuse group, would you come out and help me? So I've asked a few of you, about five of you, to come and help me. It's one, two, three, four. Someone is missing. Ah, Jesse. Awesome. Um, everyone knows what emojis are, right? Everyone, who, who uses emojis? We all use them, right? What was life like without emojis? Boring. Boring. I'm going to send you a message. Hello. I can't express what I want to say to you this morning, except with, you know, praise hands and uh, the cross and all those things. I was thinking about it this morning, you know, praise hands. Let's all do that this morning. Praise hands. Yes. Amazing. I'm going to invite um, each one of our guys here. So here you go, Jesse. Sometimes, it's re- uh, sometimes when I think about it, wouldn't it be really amazing if the Bible had emojis in it? Wouldn't it be really amazing if we had the opportunity to somehow just get a feeling to express what some of the people in the Bible were feeling during the story of Easter? If you guys want to spread yourselves out, maybe just, uh, yeah, go towards Jess a little bit more. And I'm going to ask um, the kids, where are the kids in this room? Do you want to stand up? Come up to the front if you're in a kid's zone. Come front. We've got an activity for you to do this morning. And it includes Easter eggs. If you don't come up, you might not get them because I might eat them all. <laughs> Very good. Oh, look how quickly they move. Basically, if you want an Easter egg, come up now. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Wow, this guy's got a bucket. He's ready. Okay. Now, I've got my friends here from my youth group, Fuse, to help me out. Can anyone tell me what this emoji is? It's scared. Okay. So, everyone, can anyone show the kids? Show the kids, Jesse? That's it. That's scared. Okay. And then this is... Happy, all right, and then, what's, yeah, this is tears of joy, tears of joy or crying of laughter, and what's there we got? Sadness, yeah, and Lydia, what do you have there? Surprise or shocked, okay, what I'm going to do, kids, just listen to me for a moment, you all know what these emotions are, I'm going to tell a little bit of the Easter story this morning, and I'm going to invite you to run, maybe not run, move, towards which emotion do you think the people in the story were feeling? Okay, does that make sense? So one, you guys spread out a little bit more, just move across. So if you feel that, I'm going to read something from the Bible, and if you feel that this is the emotion that the people in the Bible were feeling, I want you to move towards which one you feel they were feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's quite a few of you, so it might become a bit crowded, a bit crazy, but hey, this is church. Um, so I'm going to read, listen carefully, I'm going to tell you the story of Easter Sunday. It was early in the morning on the first day of the week when some women went to visit the tomb where their friend Jesus had been buried. He had been crucified and died on a cross. Now, choose carefully. Which emotion do you think the women who went to the tomb were feeling that morning? Their friend Jesus had just been crucified. He'd been killed. He'd been murdered. Which one would you say is the emotion that you would move towards? Come on, move towards it, move towards it, come on, find it. Okay, they're all moving towards Zoe. Zoe, breathe in. Yeah, I reckon they'll probably be feeling pretty sad about that. Okay, okay, listen out, listen out. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and the women were going to put spices on his body. 
When they arrived at the tomb, the women discovered that the stone that had covered the entrance had been rolled away. Which one do you think they're feeling now? What have we got? What have we got? Lydia, hold your one higher. Okay, someone feeling a bit frightened? Yeah. Pretty freaky. Anyone been to a graveyard? <laughs> Some people were feeling shocked. Yeah, that's true. Anybody still feeling sad? Maybe, right? We're kind of, yeah. There's a whole mixture of emotions. Okay, ooh. He really wants his Easter egg. Um, <laughs> when they looked inside the tomb, the women discovered that the stone that had covered the entrance had been rolled away. Oh, I did that already. When they, uh, where am I, where am I? When they looked inside the tomb, they had the biggest surprise of all. The tomb was empty. They thought someone had stolen the body of Jesus. You can create your own emojis. Okay, surprise. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, following the crowd, is it all good? <laughs> okay, an individual. Um, that's it. Suddenly, two men in bright, shining clothes came and stood beside the women. In their fright, they bowed down with their faces to the ground. What are we going towards? Scared, yeah. Anyone seen an angel recently? Wow, okay, yep, okay, good. Some people are still shocked. All good. Um, the men spoke to the women and said, Jesus is not here. He has risen. Don't you remember what he told you when he was in Galilee? Anyone want to move? Oh, some people thinking it through, happy, confused. I need a confused emoji, maybe. Um, let's move this on. When the women remembered, then the women remembered what Jesus had told them. They were no longer afraid. Their fear turned to happiness, and they went back and told Jesus' disciples that they had seen Jesus had risen, just as he had told them. Where are they moving to? Oh, Grace, you've been standing there very quietly. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Where do we think we're at? They've just met Jesus. Have we got any tears of joy? Oh, that's Okay, some people are still shocked. Amazing. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, kids and fuse guys. If you could grab an Easter egg on the way back. Wow. I think this kind of just illustrates something, doesn't it, about the Easter story. The Easter story is full of emotions. It's full of drama. It is full of people, normal people in everyday lives, encountering the person of Jesus. And with that comes all kinds of emotions and situations. Thank you so much, guys. Really helpful. Thank you. This morning, as we celebrate Easter, we could just read the stories. We could just read it as black and white text. Or... We can choose to enter into the story this morning and say, who is Jesus to me? Who am I in this story? What does this story mean for me and what I'm going through in my life right now? And that's what I'm inviting you to do this morning, is to listen to the story. And this is a story many of us may have heard since we were young, as we've been in church for a while.
But I want to invite you into the story this morning and allow Jesus to just allow him to say who he is and what he has done for us and what he desires for you this morning. I want to start this morning when we talk about Easter Sunday. I want to talk about the uniqueness of Jesus, the uniqueness. There is nobody in history like Jesus, and there will never be anyone like him. I love when the women go to the tomb, and they said these very words. It says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here, but he has risen. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not normal. I had a guinea pig once, and unfortunately, uh, it was a few years ago, we were watching the England game, England versus Italy. Anyone remember that game, the penalty shootouts? Yeah, pretty stressful. And I think the stress killed our guinea pig. Because <laughs> we, we were, at the end of um, at the end of a penalty shootout, we look, looked at the cage and we thought, oh. <laughs> and we thought, I felt like dying a little bit during that game as well, but you know, we, 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 we know that when something dies, something that is living dies, it doesn't rise again, does it? Unless anyone else had experience. Um, Jesus has no grave. And I love this because every other leader, every other religious leader, every other politician, uh, head of state, wherever it may be, has a grave. If you go to Windsor Castle now, our late queen is laid in rest there. Muhammad is, bought, is buried in Madeira in uh, Saudi Arabia. Buddha it was cremated and his ashes are spread across different areas and different shrines in Sri Lanka. There is no one else in history who claims to have died and now is risen and there is no grave. Whether it's, you think about the Bible, people in the Bible, Abraham, great leaders, Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, each of them, their work ceased, their lives ended. But Jesus Christ's life does not end at the grave. He is alive and he is living today. And that is what our great hope that we've been singing about today is about. We have a God who we worship, a Savior who we follow, who is not in the grave, but is risen. And what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us this morning? Jesus is alive and there's no grave what does that mean? That means Jesus is with us now. Wherever you are in your life, whatever situation you are, there is a God who says to you today that I am here. He is here with you. Today we don't have to go to a tomb. We don't have to go to some pilgrimage. We don't have to pay an entrance fee to go visit who this leader was or who the Savior was. The Lord can be anywhere with anybody, in any situation, no political boundaries, no borders, no wall, nothing can stop him being with you today. And that's the amazing thing that we celebrate, that Jesus, in the hardest places in the world right now, in the darkest places, Jesus goes, and his church goes, and they bring light into darkness and this morning, if you are feeling far from God, if you have no idea who this God is, I want to encourage you that he is a God who knows you by name. He is not dead. He is alive. And you can invite him into your life. And he can make his home with you. So Jesus has no grave. He is alive. His resurrection means that he is Lord. Jesus made lots of claims during his life. And if you read through the Bible, 
he made some extraordinary claims. He claimed that he was the son of God. He, that means he was equal with God the Father. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. That's pretty exclusive. No one can go to God except through Jesus Christ. And that is why the religious leaders of his day wanted him dead, because that was blaspheming. That was claiming something that only God could claim for himself. And because of that, Jesus' ministry led him to being persecuted, to being sent to the cross. But it says this, Jesus, I love this, Jesus knew that was his path. Jesus knew that the death of his, of his, the giving of his life would be the path for our salvation. It says this in Luke 9, this is way, this is like, like years before Jesus actually died. He said this already to his disciples, the son of man, that's talking about himself, must suffer much cruelty, be rejected by the elders and the high priests and scribes, be put to death, and on the third day rise to life again. Luke 9, 22. So Jesus claimed many things. He claimed already that he would die. He claimed already that he would rise again. Now, you might think, if I said that, hey, guys, I'm going to die, but hey, I'm going to rise again. It's all good. You think I'm crazy. You think, what kind of lunatic is this? Does he not know natural science that when you die, you die? The guinea pig died. You know, it doesn't rise again. This is not normal. But for the Lord of lords and with the King of kings, who rules over death, who rules over all creation, who rules over every natural law, he, this is no, this is easy for him. And this is who we trust in. That Jesus is Lord. Jesus claimed that before Abraham was, he says, I am. That's a direct statement that he says he is God. Jesus said that he was the beginning and he is the end. He says that he is the son of God. He said that he is one with God. He said that he is the spotless lamb. And it's so wonderful on Thursday. Thank you, Johnny and Alex, for preparing the Passover meal. Because the Passover meal was all about declaring that the lamb that was slain, the perfect lamb that was slain, is a picture of Jesus being slain for us. The blood that was shed, and we drink it in the wine, is a sign that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus claimed many things, and one of the things that he claimed when he was being accused by the religious leaders was that he would be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So my question to you this morning is who is Jesus to you? Where do you place Jesus in your life right now? Is he a fictional person in a story? I encourage you to read, to get to know him, to read the Bible, to familiarize yourself with him, the historical nature of who he is as a person. Maybe you think he's that guy Ed talks about all the time in youth group. Unashamedly, I will keep talking about him in youth group. Maybe you come to church every Sunday and he's the guy we sing about, J-E-S-U-S. And people are singing about him. People are crying. People are lifting their hands to him. Why is that? But I encourage you this morning. It's because he is the Lord. Purely, there is no one else like him. And what he wants for you is for you to know him and to place your trust in him as the King of kings and Lord of lords of your life. 
Maybe you've tried. Maybe you are trying right now in this crazy world that we live in to, allow, to take, be Lord of your life right now. You're trying to do that. And maybe you've encountered some bumps in the road. Maybe that's sickness. Maybe that's broken relationships. Maybe that's just hard times. We just can't explain it. But I want to say to you that if you put your trust in Jesus, those things don't magically turn away. But what they do, they put sense into it. Because we realize that he is the Lord. I put my trust not in my own power, but in his power to rule over my life. So I want to encourage you this morning. You can place Jesus as your Lord. You can invite him in. He can go to any place, be with any person. But what it requires is you is to invite him in. Now, why would I want to invite Jesus into my life? And the reason is because he came so that you would have life. His mission, Jesus came on a mission. The Bible is very clear that, and Jesus is very clear in his own life, that he came to die. Jesus said in, um, earlier in Luke, it says, remember how Jesus, in, sorry, in this passage which we read in Luke 24, um, Jesus said to the women, remember, remember how Jesus told you while he was in Galilee the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. Jesus wasn't the victim of some angry religious leaders. Jesus wasn't the victim of the Roman soldiers who put him to death. Jesus knew his fate. Jesus chose his fate. And he was willing to choose that path to the cross for your salvation and mine. I love how Jesus isn't ashamed to say that he says this in John 10. He says, Jesus has authority to lay down his life and to take it up. At any moment during the crucifixion, Jesus could have just gone, just like Thanos, <laughs> uh, and just rise and call legions of angels to come and save him. Alleviate my suffering. Put shame to my enemies. He could have just done that because he was the Lord. But instead, he chose to lay down his majesty, to lay aside his authority for you and I, for redemption's sake. Jesus knew this, the path of forgiveness and redemption for us would be through his death and, res and death, through his death and in his resurrection. 700 years, but even before Jesus was born, does prophet Isaiah wrote this. Jesus, said, it says this, that he was pierced, talking about Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We, all of us, have gone astray. We have turned away, everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. It was the Lord's will to crush him, to put him to grief, and when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand.
This is the truth that we hold to as Christians. This is why we sing. This is why we raise our hands and cry out, salvation belongs to our God, hallelujah. It's because Jesus, and whether you've heard this for the first time or the hundredth time, this is what Jesus has done for you. He has paid the penalty for your sin. He has taken the judgment of God that was for us, the wrath of God, and he has taken it on himself and bore it on the cross. The old life that I used to live, live of sin is now crucified on the cross and left there. And I am now a new creation. The penalty of sin is gone. The physical death that I would experience now has an end. Jesus now is the conquering king over sin, death, and victory of the grave. We sang that this morning in that wonderful song, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is no longer the end for you and I. It is no longer the end. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave. What else does Jesus do for us? He counsels the accusation of the enemy. I don't know if you've ever felt guilty. You know, sometimes as a kid, I was pretty naughty. And you get that kind of sinking feeling. Oh, yeah, it was me who broke it. You know, you get that sinking feeling, that sense of guilt. And maybe as adults, we're a bit better at dealing with our guilt. We kind of blame someone else or things like that. But we have an enemy who accuses us because we have done wrong before the Almighty God. But when Jesus died for our sins, when he forgave us, he counseled the written code written against us, and now the enemy has no longer anything he can accuse us of because we are free. We are free. If anyone puts guilt on you this morning, you can say, in Jesus, I am free. If anyone says to you this morning, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you say, no, I am free in Christ. I will live for him not for the pleasure of man, not for the, the, uh, not for the um, approval of men. There's no longer an accusation that can be laid against you. So this morning, if you are a Christian, I want to encourage you, live in your freedom. Live in what Christ has bought for you. We're going to sing a song in a bit, I know, because I've heard the worship set, but it says, in Christ alone. <laughs> in Christ alone, no guilt is found, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final death, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever, can ever pluck me from his hands till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I will stand. Now, if you need power this morning, if you're feeling oppressed, if you're feeling disheartened, I want you to rise up in your freedom that Christ has given you to live a life that is free because of the eternal price that Jesus paid for you. No one can accuse you. The enemy has no power over you. You are free. So we see that Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. He frees us from death. He saves us from the accusation of the enemy. But if our story stopped there, if that was our Christianity, if that was what we are offering the world, just save salvation from all these nasty things, then that would be an incomplete gospel. 
That'll be incomplete news because the good news is that Jesus doesn't just save us from things. He saves us for things. He saves us for glory. He saves us for life. And one of the beautiful things that sometimes I think we miss as Christians, and I often will do this, is that I forget that. Why did Jesus forgive my sins? Why did Jesus die on the cross for me? Why is it that Jesus um, wants to free me from guilt? And the reason is because he wants me to be in relationship with God. If we forget this, then Christianity becomes a self-centered thing. And we offer the world nothing. But what we offer instead is we offer restored relationship with God. God who is holy in heaven, God who is perfect in majesty, cannot be with sinful people. But when Jesus removes our guilt, we are clean forever. And we can stand and enter into the throne room of God. It's more than just removal of guilt and bad feelings. Forgiveness means that we are clean Forgiveness means that Jesus brings us into the presence of a holy God and that we get to experience life with God in relationship with him again. I'm sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor present nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8. This morning, you can put your trust in Jesus and you can be united with your creator. You can be united with the God who loves you, who poured out his love for you on the cross. This morning, I'm inviting you to come alive, people. Not just to coast. As Christians, sometimes we can just think, this is all that life is. We come to Sunday and we just sing songs. We hang out with our friends. But Christ has called you this morning, if you're a Christian, he's called you not just to be an observer, but a participant in all that he is doing. He is calling you on a mission to tell other people about this wonderful joy that you found, to tell other people about this Father who loves you like nothing else. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he is calling us to go and seek and save the lost as well. He came to restore the broken, and as a church, he is calling us to do that too. Jesus came to bring about a kingdom of light, to bring God into dark places. He is calling you this morning to bring that light to the world. And as the power of the resurrection, that it makes people who are weak, who feel that we have nothing to offer, the power of the resurrection is that he places the love of God in you, he places the joy of, the, of knowing Jesus in you. And he says, go. Go tell others about the love. Go tell others about the joy that you found. Jesus has a life for you. If you're a Christian in this place, he has a life for you that is beyond what you can imagine. Not just coasting, coming to church every Sunday, but going on a mission with him to tell the world of the great love and the resurrection of a king who is coming into the world and is going out and, and drawing people to himself. So my invitation to you, church, who are you going to tell? It's very simple. Who are you going to tell? 
I want to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and just wrestle in your minds now. Who is it that Jesus is bringing? Who needs to know of this wonderful Savior? Because Jesus says he will go with you. He's not in the grave. He's with you. He's not incapable. He is the Lord of all creation. He is with you with power and authority for you to go and tell others around him about him. And this morning, I want to pray for that exceeding joy. Where is my, where is my uh, emoji gone? <laughs> where is my emoji? No, that's scared. Don't want that one. This morning, I want to scout with this. Because we've, if we've discovered this morning the joy of the Lord. We've discovered and talked about and sung about this exceeding joy of knowing that the Lord of Lords is here with us and will never leave us. Tears of joy come because of Jesus and his completion of his mission and his calling on our lives to live for him. And if anyone is here this morning also, who has not given their lives to Jesus before, this is your opportunity. Maybe you've been around church for a while. Maybe you think you're a Christian because you come here every Sunday. But my invitation to you is that Jesus says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's very simple. Jesus invites you this morning to come and make him your Lord. To lay aside and give him your sin. And what he exchanges to you instead is the gift of life. A relationship with God the Father. A life that will never end. And life with him. And that is what we as a church want to offer you this morning. We want to offer you Jesus and all that he brings for you. And maybe this morning if you are in that place where you you just know that is for you. I want you to pray with me this morning that you would invite Jesus into your life. He would make his home and he would be real to you. Does Christ who is alive become life for you this morning? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, on this Easter morning, I thank you that we can invite you to come and to make your home in our lives again. And if anybody is in this room this morning who doesn't know Jesus or whether you're online listening, I want you to follow after me in this prayer. And it's a very simple prayer of invitation that Jesus would become your Lord and Savior and save you from your sins. So if you want to, you can pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I'm sorry for the things that I have done wrong. And I thank you that you love me. That you died for my sins. And you rose for my salvation. Thank you that I can know you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.